Welcome to this series from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. We don't have a video today, so Nick asked me if I would um, stall. I will not rap. That's only for a select few who get to hear me rap. Yeah, well, I know some other people might be able to rap in this room. Um, so what I wanted to do to kind of fill the time before we start here while the buckets are being passed, because I don't want to get too deep because I don't want your attention to be divided. So I'm going to first start off with um, a situation in which most of you have experienced or an encounter with someone that you've most likely had, and it's a lot to do with your phones. So it goes something like this. So I'm talking to someone, having a conversation, and Nick and I talk about this in the office quite a bit, actually. You're talking with someone, having a conversation, but while you're having the conversation with this other person, it's something like this, like, yeah. And I've been a victim of this, but I've also been a, the one who's ignored the person I'm talking to. Raise your hand if you've ever done that. Raise your hand if it's ever been done to you. We, I think we've all experienced it. And what amazes me is how you can be present physically, but how you can be so absent emotionally, and you can be so absent with your attention that you literally have no idea what in the world is going on right in front of you. My wife can attest that this sometimes happens to me. We had a, I don't even remember what we were talking about, but we had an experience like that of, in a movie, where, you know, you see it with like husband and wife, they're talking, and then you can just tell, the, usually the husband, because we're knuckleheads, They'll be talking, the woman will be like, oh yeah, and I'm about to go on a date with another guy, and he'll say like, yeah, uh-huh, oh yeah, cool. That like happened to us, and it was really embarrassing. She was talking about something, and she was like, yeah, and I said a really tough day. I said, that's amazing. <laughs> and I was like, um, oh, and I was totally caught. There was no going back. I was totally thinking about something else, and I got caught in my tracks. So we've all experienced that. But most of us, if we've been to high school or if we've been to college, we've also experienced, um, throw up that first picture, we've also experienced, maybe not in high school, but a lecture hall, right? So in a lecture hall, you're going to have, you're going to have a variety of characters, I'll call them, that are present physically in this classroom. And I'm going to highlight some of the different characters that you might be or that you've experienced or that you observed in a classroom, whether it's in high school or college or anywhere sort of classroom, especially in, this is today's age. So the first person that I want to highlight is the texter or the phone, eyes glued to the phone person, I guess I could call them. So they're always on their phone. They're present physically in class, so they're in class, but they don't pay attention at all. They are on their phone the entire time. And I was debating whether to share this or not because I thought it might be a little bit inappropriate, but I'm gonna, I think I'm going to share it anyways. Um, so you know, like, 
when we're in class, whether it's in college, you know, different classes are different. Some teachers care, other teachers don't. Um, but most of the time we try to hide it, you know? So there's like behind our computer, or it's behind a book, or it's like down here. And one that's a meme, you know what a meme is, right? This meme was, it said, it was a teacher, it says, I know you're on your phone. No one l- smiles at their crotch. <laughs> I, might get, I might get in trouble for saying that, but. And it's true. We're glued to our phone and we have no idea what's going on. We can be in our class, we can be physically present, but the information that's being delivered to us, the information that's coming in, has no effect on our lives. None. You come out of class, how was class? Oh, I mean, most people, when they do that, they brag about it. Yeah, I was just on my phone the whole time. Or on Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, fantasy football. Come on. I was in first place last year and I got knocked out in the first round. Playoffs. Did you beat me, Chad? So that's the first person, the texter. Second person is the person taking notes. I'm not going to lie, this is me, like totally when I was in college. So you have your computer, and when the teacher asks, what are you doing? I'm taking notes. But I'm also on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, looking up things on the news, looking at pictures, editing pictures. You're do, you're. You're still paying attention a little bit. You know, you're still engaged. You still can get the outline of what the teacher is saying. When, when the teacher says, oh, this is really important. You're going to need this for the test. You, d- you listen and you, and you type it down, right? So it's the person who pays attention just to the, to the necessary information. Thank you. Somebody said that and I, you helped me. Thank you. So they only receive the necessary information. Third person. The person writing out notes, overachiever. We're in 2016, guys, come on. It's about time we start. I'm, I'm not discouraging you, but when you're in class in college, you're not supposed to be writing out your notes. I'm just messing. These are the overachievers writing out notes. I'm not discouraging you. If you're taking notes now, do not stop. So third person is the person writing out notes. You know, they're, they're, they're actually probably working the hardest, but they're not getting everything that they need to because they can't keep up. The professor is speaking so much so fast that they miss some information. But they get majority of what needs to be learned. But they're not actually getting everything that they could. And this person is usually someone who doesn't really actively engage. So they're taking the notes. They're, you know, they're, they're receiving the information, but they're not actually a participant in the classroom. The fourth, the fourth person that we're going to highlight is the person who's actively participating. This is a person that you all do not like. And if it's you, I'm sorry. We don't really dislike you. It's just a phrase. It's the person who's always sharing, the person always raising their hand, person always, always sharing their opinion, person always raising their hand and always trying to prove the professor or teacher wrong. I would ask you to raise your hand if that person, but I do not want you to share your opinion. I'm just kidding. So this person 
although this person can be annoying at times, this person is actually actively engaging in the learning. They're a participant in what is happening and what is being learned in the classroom. So we're going to, these are the four types of, four types of learners or four types of participants that you can have in a class. And we're going to come back to these later on. But before, um, so next we're going to go on to Hebrews 1 and 3. Make sure you remember those people. First verse, Hebrews 1 through 3. He is the radiance of the glory of God. This is talking about Jesus. The exact imprint of his nature and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And I don't know if the, if the title was on here, but this message today is called You Are Not Alone. And it's about God with us. He's always with us. So there's different ways that God is with us, though. So this says he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he, he upholds the universe by the power of his word, by the word of his power. So this is saying that God, Jesus, holds the universe together by his very being. So when we think of the presence of God, we think of miracles, we think of crazy things happen, we think of God intervening with the natural world. But God is actually present everywhere because it says he upholds the universe by the word of his power. That means that the very existence of the physical world is proof that he exists. It's, it's a term called omnipresent, if you're going to Bible school or if you're really interested in that term. Omnipresent meaning he is everywhere at all times. He's fully everywhere all the time. Omnipresent, present everywhere. So God is everywhere. He spoke the earth into motion and the very existence proves that he is our creator. A lot of people, a lot of scientists are trying to say that God did not create the heavens and the earth, but guess what? The deeper and deeper they go, the more answers they find, the more questions they have. The more they try to disprove God, the more they're actually proving him. Because they have no idea. They have no idea the magnitude, how far above God's wisdom is than theirs. They think they know but they have no idea. That's another sermon of, in a, of itself. Next verse, Hebrews 4.13. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Nothing is hidden. No creature is hidden from his sight. And we must give account to him. Everything you do, everything we do, it says is laid naked and exposed. That means we're out here. He sees everything that you do. Everything. Every thought that you think, every intention that you have, he sees. He's everywhere, guys. Everywhere. And the problem is, is that we don't realize that he's everywhere because our attention is on other things. And so his presence everywhere needs to be focused on. Jeremiah 23, 
23 through 24. Am I God at hand, says the Lord, not a God far off? Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, says the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, says the Lord? He fills heaven and he fills earth. He is everywhere. And I'll say it again. He is everywhere. He is right here. But guess what? He's at the bar down the road. I'm not saying that that's where you should be. I'm, not, I'm, I'm just saying he's everywhere. In the, in the nastiest, most evil places in the world, he is still there. Now, we're going to talk later today about there's different levels or different outworking, outworkings of his presence, but everywhere he's present because there's the physical world, and the physical world is a declaration that he is there. Psalm 139, 7 through 12. Sorry I'm jabbing you with a lot of verses, but they're just too good to hold back. Psalms 139. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell on the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as day, for darkness is as light with you. Even on your worst day, even in your worst rebellion, even when you said, there's no God, he said, I am there. And guess what? You can try to act like there's no God. You can try to act that he's not there. You can try to pretend that he's not there, but he is there. And he's actually drawing you always. He's never stopped trying to get all of you. But the problem is, is we don't feel it because we don't focus on it. We focus on other things. And this is going to sound a lot like the message last week, but it's about renewing and changing the way that you think. Changing what your eye is on. He's with you. He is with you. Even when you can't sense it, even when you can't hear it, even when you can't feel it, even when you're feeling the opposite of what it should feel like if you're in the presence of God, he is there. This is setting a good foundation. This is setting a good foundation for where we're going. He is everywhere. But here's the, pro here's the deal. The beginning of time, the beginning of mankind, Adam and Eve, brought a barrier. The beginning brought a barrier. So we have Adam and Eve. They're walking in the garden. They're having perfect communion, relationship with God. They have not sinned. They are walking, talking, listening, being with God, the Father. Let's just sit and think about that. They were walking, talking, listening, walking in the Garden of Eden with God. Man. Genesis 3, 8 through 10. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves. This was right after they sinned, guys. This is right after they ate of the tree. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? <laughs> and he said, 
I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. It's no fun to play hide-and-seek with God. That's funny. I was reading this earlier today, and I, I couldn't help. Verse 9 says, But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? Come on, guys. As if God didn't know. He knows where we're at, guys. He actually knows right where you're at. He actually knows more than where you're at than where you think you're at. I, I was off. The, I can't even remember what I said. He knows where you're at, but the difference between his perspective and your perspective is he sees what you could be if you just knew. He sees where you're at. He sees everything. He knows what you've done wrong. He knows what you've done right. He knows everything. He's everywhere. Nothing is hidden from him. So Adam and Eve walked in the garden, but when they sinned, they were naked and, and they said, we were afraid. So we hid from you. And in that moment, a barrier was created between God and man. God who is perfect. He knows no sin. He cannot be in the presence of sin. His tangible presence cannot be with sin. So when Adam and Eve sinned, he said, I'm sorry. You chose the world over me. And it says, Adam and Eve realized they were naked. They were ashamed, they were ashamed of themselves. They realized that they had lost it. They had lost the very thing that God purposed for them to do. They lost the very thing that God created them to do was just to be with him. But not because they chose the world, he, they, they couldn't be with him anymore. But this sin created a barrier, right? A separation between God and man. But it did not change the nature of God. This is where it can get confusing because it did not change that God is everywhere. It just changed the relationship and the intimacy and the communion that we could have with him. He's still everywhere at all times, but now there, is a, there was a barrier, a limitation to what man could do with God because of sin, because he is perfect. He knows no sin. And we are sin. We were born in sin. That's all we know apart from Jesus is sin. Even in our good works, we still sin because the intentions of our heart are all about ourselves. So it's selfishness. Even the good that you do is bad. If you give to the poor out of a selfish heart, it's bad. If you pray for someone out of a selfish heart, it's sin. Listen, guys. It was a big deal. The presence of God was a huge deal. A huge, huge deal. It was such a big deal that Moses fought, not even you know, fight, Moses petitioned and he spent 40 days, 40 nights in the wilderness fasting just to get the presence of God back to Israel in Exodus. And God told him to build a tabernacle. This is 
important if you throw the tabernacle up there. Picture of the tab. Oh, it's kind of blurry. Well, the tabernacle was a tent. It was a portable tent that the Holy Spirit or where God's presence could rest. Since the Israelites could no longer live in the presence of God, God decided to allow them to build a tent that the presence of God could rest in or that could be a home to the presence of God. So they built a tabernacle. And in the tabernacle was a place called the Holy of Holies, which is an inner room that held the Ark of a Covenant, which is this thing that holds a bunch of important stuff. And in the, Ark, in the Holy of Holies was the presence of God. It was the presence of God. And it was powerful. The tabernacle, only the high priest, one person, one day a year, could enter into the Holy of Holies. And it was for the sacrifice, the sacrifice for the sins of the people of Israel. So after the tabernacle, they built, um, King David, God told King David to build a temple. So the tabernacle was a portable tent, so it would move with the people of Israel all the way until they reached the promised land. Once they had the promised land, King David received from God that they were to build a temple, but Solomon was the one to build the temple. And the temple was the new house of God's presence. Still the same thing as the Holy of Holies, which is where the presence of God rested. Still the same, you could say, rituals where they had one day a year where they could go in and they would sacrifice an animal, animal or multiple animals for the sins of the Israelite people. This is just foundational stuff, guys, that we're gonna get into because it's gonna get real exciting here in a minute. I promise you. It's gonna get real excited. So this temple hosted the presence of God. You know that song, it goes, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is. Hmm. That's where the presence of God brings. Freedom. And in the Old Testament, the freedom was limited to a room. The presence of God was limited to a room, one room in the whole world was the only place that freedom existed. The barrier could only be broken by a building by a room. But guess what? There's some good news. There's some really good news. The barrier or the presence of God, it moved. The presence of God moved from a place to a person. Amen. I'll say it again. It moved, the presence of God about 2,000 years ago, moved from a place to a person. And his name is Jesus. I'm gonna share some verses with you. Remember one of, the, one, one of the main functions, one of the main roles of the Holy of Holies, the place in the temple, the place in the tabernacle where you went to sacrifice your sins. Oh man. Your sins could only be forgiven 
by going to the Holy of Holies, by going to the temple or going to the tabernacle. Guess what Jesus came? When he came, he said, I forgive your sins. He went to the lame man, he says, I forgive your sins, so now walk. And the religious leaders were very upset because they knew that the temple was very important, that it was the very house of God, and that was the only place that the sins could be forgiven. But now this man, Jesus, is coming and says, no, I forgive your sins. You know why? Because the presence of God moved from that place to the person. And that's the thing that changed all of it. This is good news. This is good news because when Jesus was talking to the people, he said, I will destroy the temple. It was blasphemy. He said, I will destroy it. The very place where the presence of God rested, Jesus said, I will destroy it. Didn't go over well with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law and the religious people because they knew that that was the house of God. But Jesus said, I will rebuild the temple in three days. He was saying, that is no longer the place of the house of God. I am the presence of God. I am the exact representation. If you've seen him, you've seen me. I am the presence of God. Point two, or did I miss point one? This is terrible. <laughs> point one was, that was all that. He said, point one is he's always everywhere. So God is always everywhere. Sorry about that, people in the back. Point two, he is always with you. He is always with you. <laughs> John 16, 6 and seven, but because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. This is when Jesus was talking to his disciples about how he had to leave. He had to go. He had to die. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go or I die. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Here we go. Put your seatbelt on, we're gonna go. So, can you imagine, just for a second, imagine that you're the disciples. Imagine that you're one of them. And imagine living with Jesus, the man who cured every disease, the man who just by his very presence healed people, by his very words cured people diseases, by his very presence he raised Lazarus from the dead. Imagine you seeing all of this, the best thing that's ever happened to you, the best thing that's ever happened in your whole life, the one who's given you peace because where the presence of the Lord is there is freedom, and the one who's given you peace is saying, I have to go. It's better than I go. And I would say, what? How in the world is it better that you go? This makes no sense. None whatsoever. And I... Really? It's better that you go? The thing is, is Jesus knew something that was so important. He knew something that was so important, it was that the presence of God is a big deal. It's a really big deal, it's actually everything. Let me break it down to you. So the, there's all these theological terms, so the presence of God, you could say Holy Spirit, you could say God's Spirit, it's all the same thing, guys. 
Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, God's presence. So we know from the Bible that says God is spirit. So, so worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. So right there in that moment, the, the, the world did not have the spirit. They did not have God's presence. They did not have God's spirit. But he knew, Jesus knew that the spirit of God cannot remain solely in him. It had a bigger purpose. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. This is huge. This is huge. The residence of the Spirit of God moved from a place to a person to the people. This is good news. Jesus said, I will destroy the temple and I will rebuild it in three days. Most people think he was talking about him raising from the dead and, and going into heaven, defeating the devil. And I believe that's true. But I think he was telling us something. I think he was telling us and he was reconstructing the very nature of the presence of God. He said, I will rebuild. I will build the temple. I will build the house of God a different way. So now when he was alive, the presence of God rested with Jesus. But when he rose from the dead, the very nature of the temple of God, which was the house of God, changed. It reconstructed. It moved from place to person to the people. So he said, I'm rebuilding the temple. Most people thought he was talking about his body. He, he was talking about the presence of God, the house of God. It was no longer just him. It was everyone who would just believe that Jesus is God and that Jesus died for their sins, and that he loved them so much that he would die even on a cross. I will destroy the temple and I will rebuild it in three days. That third day was amazing. That third day was amazing. Romans 8, 9 through 11. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. John 14, 23, Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to, make, come to him and make our home with him. We are the temple the home of the very presence of God. Man, we have these like theological terms, right? Or these, I wouldn't call them theological, I'll call them church terms. So like sometimes we go and when we're like given an altar call or whatever, we say, hey, do you wanna invite Jesus to come live inside your heart? And I think people who don't know the Bible people who aren't familiar, maybe who didn't grow up with this language, it can really be confusing. 
Do I want Jesus to come live inside my heart? To like look, to like researching like, can Jesus live in my heart? Like, we have these terms, but we don't even understand them. But they're so true. But we can actually be so, they can be so common that they lose their significance. They can be so, they can be said so frequently that they don't even mean anything. Yeah, God lives in me, man. Okay, we're gonna take five seconds and I want you to think, I'm being serious, I want you to think about the God of the universe who created the heavens and the earth. The God of the universe who knew you before you were formed. He lives in you and he likes it. Let's take five seconds to think about that. He lives in us. He lives in us. So here's, here's the problem. I wouldn't call it a problem. I can, I can call it an area of perspective or a perspective that we have that is that can really hurt us. And what that perspective is, is that God is out there. You know, if we've received Jesus and he's already, we're a Christian and we, and we know God and we know Jesus and we believe in him. We ask God to give us more. I don't mean to be kind of crazy, but you guys, hasn't he given enough already? He gave his only son so that his spirit, so himself could be inside of you. And we, and we look for the world, we look to the world, we come to church and we raise our hands and we say, God, God, God. And he's saying, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. And there's nothing wrong with praising and worshiping, but sometimes we can make it about getting him and getting him and bringing him somewhere. But the, the reason, he's in you, look in the mirror. If you wanna see God, look in the mirror because he's all inside of you. And if we would just realize that, if we would get that one thing that he is in us and he likes it, then our problems wouldn't seem so big. He's, we're a home to the spirit of God. We're a home to him. I'll say it again, he likes it. He likes to live in you. So some people might think, man, this is like really scary. Like, God's in me? Like, I don't know if he'd like to want to live in me. Does he know the things I've done? Does he know what the things I've said? Does he know the things I've thought? How would he want to live in me? Some people might say, man, that's scary because I struggle with some stuff and we actually will ignore the very presence of God in our life so that we continue. We can continue to do the things that we want to do. But the 
But the revealing that God is everywhere, the revealing that God is in you is not meant to constrain you. It's not meant to hold you down. It's not meant to shame you. It's not meant to condemn you. It's not meant to hold you back. It's supposed to free you. It's supposed to free you into who you are created to be because if we understand that God is with us, we'll understand who can be against us. And we'll understand the reason why you're alive and that when you realize that he wants to live in you, you can start to grasp that he loves you. You can start to grasp that he loves you for who you are through the thick and the thin, through all that crap that you've done, through all the sin that you've committed, through all the unbelief that you've had. He says, I love you and I want and I actually designed your body to be a home for my presence. He designed your body to be a home for his presence, but not everyone understands it. Not everyone digs into it. So we're gonna take a look at the presence of God from this presence of God that's inside of us from a couple different angles. And I'm gonna relate it back to the, to the different people in our class. Remember that there was like the texter, the note taker, the, the person who write out the notes, and then there was the active participant. So we're gonna take a look at his presence, the different, you could call levels of his presence. So the first one is omnipresent. We already talked about it. So God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. This person, who I'm gonna refer to, the texter, that's the the level of presence that they live in. They live in God's omnipresence the fact that he's holding everything together, the texture, because guess what? They're receiving all of the information from the class. They're in class. They're receiving all the information. It's all available to them. The truth is made known to them. The right answers are right there with them. But guess what? They choose to ignore it. And it does nothing to change their lives. That's the person, the texture, lives in the realm of God's omnipresence, that he is everywhere, that he holds the universe together. The second person, the note taker. This person lives in the realm of the, it's called the indwelling presence of God, that he lives in you. You, 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 you remember the, per- the note taker, what they do? They took the notes, but they were also on like Facebook, they're also on Instagram, they're also doing you know, other things. They're paying attention, they get the gist of it, they got the main points, they got the main points, but guess what? They're not getting to the meat of it. They don't understand the depths of the content that's being presented to them. And isn't that true? Some people live in that place. The truth has been revealed, but guess what? They know the right answer. Yeah, I know that I'm a sinner, I know that Jesus died for me, and I know I'm going to heaven. Isn't that the outline? That's the person, the note taker, the one who's on Facebook and taking notes. That's what they do. They know, they realize that God's real and they realize their need for Jesus, but they never actually allow it to transform their lives to the potential that it could. That's the second person. And I'm gonna put the the scribe note taker, the person who writes it out, and the active participant in this last group. And it's his, this is the realm of his outworking presence. God's outworking presence. What that basically means is God's presence actively alive in the natural world. 
God's presence making a difference in the natural world. They're going a little bit deeper. Remember, the person who's writing out the notes, they're trying really hard. They're working really hard, but guess what they fall back? They're trying really, really hard. They're trying to keep up, but they miss some stuff. Then we have the active participant who's being engaged in the learning, who's a participant in what is going on. And raise your hand if you want to be that person. Raise your hand if you want to be the participant who is actively engaged in the presence of God. I'm hoping that more of your hands will be raised at the end of the sermon. I'm just kidding. So here's the deal, his outworking presence. I touched on it a minute ago. It's, I don't know if it saddens is the right word, but it does sadden me that some people, that we can so easily fall and so we can so easily live powerless lives, being defeated by anything that comes our way. Here's the deal. We do not have to plead with God. We do not have to beg God to come. We do not have to say, Lord Jesus, come with our loud voices, although that's amazing to sing sing those songs. But here's the deal, guys. Uh, He lives in you. He lives in you. So it's not about begging for more of him. It's about being intentional about what's already inside of you. I'll say it again. It's not about begging for more of him, but realizing and being intentional about what's already inside of you. He's inside of you. I'm getting really excited, but I'm, I see a lot of people are confused and I'm thinking maybe I'm doing a poor job, but I'm, Holy Spirit, please help because I feel like I'm, I need you right now. I'm serious. The tangible outworking presence of God is not about us asking him to come. It's about believing that he has come. It's about believing that he has come. Presence reality is birthed from presence intentionality. If you want to live in the presence of God, you need to be more intentional that he's already with you. Presence reality is birthed from presence intentionality. You can have as much as God as you want. You are the director of your life. You have choices, you have free will. You can have as much as God as you want. You have the choice. In Matthew 3 and in Mark 1, it talks about Jesus being baptized. And Ben did an amazing job up here. He touched on it in the beginning. He said, when Jesus got baptized, the heavens opened and a dove came down and it rested on Jesus. And most people believe that the dove represented the Holy Spirit, the presence of God that came down to be with Jesus. I thought it was interesting that they, that they used a dove and then it landed on him. Here's the deal. Has anyone ever, ever like had a bird on their shoulder? I one time went to this bird shop, 28th Street, El Peroto. Anyone ever seen that? Okay, I'm crazy, whatever. So you got these birds 
and you can like put them on your shoulder, right? You can put a dove on your shoulder. And what happens is if you just live your life and you did not care that the bird was on your shoulder, you'd be walking and that bird would be gone. You bend over, that bird's gone. You get in your car, that bird's gone. You go to work, that bird's gone. But if you really want that bird to stay, you have to be intentional about every step that you take because he's with you. He's on you. So what I think, um, uh, something that we can learn is that the Holy Spirit is a dove. Is, he comes in the form of a dove. And we need to be about intentional about every step. Not he'll never leave you. The Holy Spirit will never leave you. But in order for you to access him, in order for you to get, in, get to the reality that he's with you, you have to be intentional. I know I look goofy. About every step that you take, that's saying, okay, where am I going? God, what are you doing here? God, thank you that you love me. God, thank you that you're with me. God, thank you that, oh. And all of a sudden you're intentional and the presence of God will become more of a reality to you because you were being intentional. It's what I talked about last week. It's about renewing your mind, changing the way that you think, spending time each day to renew your mind to change your thinking because we all have stinking thinking on our own. And we need to renew our mind, to line up with God's truth, to line up that he is with us always. It will change your life. So, this outworking presence, we can live in it, guys. We can live in a place where God is so real to us that it changes everything about our world. He is so real to us that things just start happening because God is amazing. Jesus was the exact representation of God and guess what he did? He healed the sick. He made the blind see. He raised the dead. That was the working of the presence of God. The same presence that lives inside of you. He wants to get out. He want, he's in there, he's saying, I, I wanna get out so that I can show my love, I can show other people the same thing, to show other people their potential by living your life. So, Romans 8, 11, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. I'll say it again. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your immortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is inside of us. Okay. I'm amazed by this. But I touched on it earlier. I'm gonna reiterate it restate it. A lot of people feel like they're not worthy of that spirit of God. They feel that, not me, how could God ever use me? How could God ever use me? And it's sad because God actually sees your potential. He sees what you, what you could be if you only knew that he was inside of you. And, and, the, and the reality of him inside of you will change everything. 
those people who, who think that, they're living in the garden. They're living like Adam and Eve did in the garden. They're saying, God, we're, we're afraid and we're naked. God, we're, we were afraid and we're shameful. And, and, and the reality is if we would just see ourselves the way God see, sees us, change would be a lot easier. Because listen, guys, when, when Jesus came, he says, I washed every sin away. And remember, sin was the issue in the, to begin with. So Jesus washed every sin away. So when God looks down at you and you've received Jesus and you've said, I want to make him the Lord of my life, I want to give him my whole life, he actually sees you as perfect. He sees you the same way that he sees Jesus. And so we can, it's, it's very easy to fall into this mindset that we need to hide from God. I'll say it again, it's not fun to play hide and seek with God. It's not fun. But guess, guess what? He knows where you're at. He knows where you're at. I know, I know some people might say, remember we talked about that, it's too good to be true line. Some people, some of you might be saying, that's too good to be true. How could God see potential in me? Here's the reality. It's so, he's so good that it is true. Jesus is so good. It's just true. In that he sees so much potential in us. And if we realized what was inside of us, we wouldn't need to go searching other places for all of the stuff that we, tr that we think we need. So I'm gonna give you, where we're gonna give three steps. Last week, did, last week we did three steps in order, to living a, in order to live a life with more contentment. This week we're gonna do three steps in order to live a life more aware of the presence of God or the spirit of God or the Holy Spirit within you. Three steps. And you can actually, you know, we talked about seven minutes a day last time. You can actually incorporate this a part of your seven minutes because it's all truth. So incorporate this a part of your seven minutes. If you weren't here, we said seven minutes a day will, will change your life. If you do something and you have positive, biblical, truthful thinking for seven minutes a day, it will change your entire life. Seven minutes a day, not a whole lot of time. So step one, thank God every day for giving you his spirit. If you remember what the first step was last week, it was thank God every day for Jesus. And this one is thank God every day for giving you his spirit. So we just say thanks God that you have made me home of the spirit of God. Thank you that you like to live in me Thank you, thank you, God, that you see potential in me. Thank you, God, that you are with me wherever I go. But here's the deal about God with you. A lot of us think that if God's with us, that he's so powerful, he's so powerful and he's so strong and he's so mighty that, that he will actually get rid of all your problems. Not the truth. Let me tell you about a story about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There were some guys, and the, the king was saying, bow down to me or I'm going to kill you all. And they said, we will not bow, to any, bow down to anyone but God. He said, okay, throw them in the fiery furnace. So they throw them in this furnace. Hot, hot. Who would say that's a problem? That's a problem. But guess what? God did not put out the fire. You know what he did? He stood there with them. And he's standing with you. He's not going to take all your problems away. What he's going to do is he's going to stand with you. And he's going to say, I'm with you. Do not fear. For if God is for us, who can be against us? I thought about the verse. I said, man, there's, there's a lot of people that can be against me. Like 
some people's families, like a lot of people, like the government maybe, I don't know. A lot of people can be against us. This is, the, I was like, and I heard this from, from a guy I listened to. He said, if, if God is for us, who cares who's against us? If God is for us, who cares who's against us? Because he is the creator of the universe. So he's not gonna take away your problems. In fact, he might give you more problems. He won't give them to you, but more problems might start happening, but you'll be able to stand through them all because you realize that he's with you and that's all you need. He's inside of me. And you'll be able to represent him more through trials than you will in blessings. Anyone, come on, anyone can have a good day when you're having a good day. Anyone. If good things happen to you, it's easy to have a good day. When bad stuff happens to you and you still have a good day, that's a testimony to the goodness, to the fact that he's alive in you. Step two, set some reminders for yourself of the fact that God is with you. So what I do is I have my phone and I set some reminders. It goes off at 9 a.m., it goes off at 12 p.m., it goes off at 3 p.m., and it goes off at 7 p.m. Each time it says, God is with you. He likes to live in you. And it's just like, it feeds me every day. Because otherwise I might be you know, doing some busy work, busy work, busy work, all of a sudden, boom, it vibrates. I go, God is with you, boom. Intentionality brings the reality of God with you. So you can do it on your phone. You can set sticky notes. You can put Bible verses in your car, at your work. You need to get the truth inside of you all the time. Amen. And these are very simple things, not hard things to do. But guess what? The small things make a difference. Amen. Step three, ask God to speak to you and take time to listen. If someone's with you, it's pretty rude to not listen to them. Yeah. If I'm gonna take my wife out on a date, and I'm gonna be with her and spend quality time with her, it'd be pretty foolish of me to not talk to her. But we understand that we have work and we have things that we need to have our focus on, but we need to take time just to simply sit there and say, God, is there anything you wanna tell me? Because in that moment, you are being intentional about that he's with you and that will change everything. So, I realize that, you know, we are all different. Each one of you has specific circumstances, specific things, events that have happened in your life that have positively or negatively influenced you. But I realize that some of you might be the texter. Some of you might be the one who says, you know what? I've been blinded my whole life by living in the world and I've actually just been living in not even realizing that there's a God. I've been realizing that man, there's more, there's more than just the phone. There's more going on. The truth is in front of you. It's right. The truth is Jesus, that he died for you, he loves you, and he wants to get inside of you. Because if he gets inside, it'll change your whole life. For the better, not for the worse. For the better. Some of you might be in that stage where you're just, you know, living in the omnipresence He's with everyone. Some of you might be number two. You're, you're, the, you're the person who's, you know, all the, you, know, you know what it takes to pass the class. You know what it takes to get the C, C's to get degrees. You know what it takes, but you don't have any application for your life. You, you take the test and you forget it. You know the basics. You know, I'm a sinner. Jesus died for me and I'm going to heaven. But you've never gotten any deeper than that. 
here's the deal. Today's your day. Today's your day to, just to say, you know what? I'm done. Let's be real. Has living in the world and living for yourself ever produced any good for you? No. Living for yourself has never done anything positive for you. It's only brought you closer and closer to the ground, to hitting rock bottom. It's never done anything for you. So I want to invite everyone to be real with yourself right now and to evaluate where you are at, to say, which reality am I living in? Am I the one who is trying really hard, but I feel like I'm falling behind and I'm just working and working and working. I'm telling you something. The Holy Spirit wants to breathe on your life. He wants to come and empower you so you don't have to work anymore. You can just rest. And some of you might be feeling that way, that I work, I work so hard. I come to church. I do this. I'm so nice. And you're focusing on all these things. And God's saying, stop focusing on those things. Just focus on me. Some of you are in that. Some of you are. And I see you. And it's amazing. And you're an inspiration to everyone people who are active participants. And I commend you, but guess what? Remember what I said earlier? I said, you can have as much, as, much of God as you want. There's always more. Presence, reality is birthed from presence, intentionality. You can always have more. So wherever you're at, I'm asking you to be real for yourself real quick. To take a minute and listen to God and let him speak to you because he's, he's here right now, guys. He's with you right now. Whether or not you believe it, he's with you. So let's be real. What's the worst that can happen? If you don't think he's with you or you don't think that he talks to you, what's the worst that can happen for you to say, hey God, speak to me? What's, nothing. That's the worst that can happen, nothing. And guess what? You're in the same place that you are now. So it's actually okay for you to take a chance right here. It's a safe place for you to say, God, speak to me. And just listen to the still small voice. It might be a thought. It might be you just imagine something or you picture something. It might, I don't know what it's gonna be. God speaks to us in different ways, but I'm asking you to be real with yourself right now. So if everyone just bow your heads and just close your eyes. And I want you just to evaluate where you're at. Evaluate, just be real with yourself right now. And then I want you just to say, God, speak to me. Awesome. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you are here. So if you were, whatever you're dealing with, I don't know what you're dealing with, but here's the deal. If you feel that you need to talk to someone, if you feel that you need to let something off your chest or you need to pray, need prayer for something, come up here and find one of our prayer partners and they will pray with you. If you don't know God and you say, you know what, I want to know more, come up here and find these people. They know and are trained in how to lead you to the presence of God because it's inside of us. So come find one of these people. If, you're any, if you just need prayer, if you need anything, come find one of them. They would love to talk with you. So to end, 
I'm just gonna, uh, I'm gonna pray real quick just to end. God, I thank you that you are here. I thank you that you like to live inside of us. I thank you that your presence changes everything. Your presence inside of us changes everything. So help us to be more aware and intentional of you, the God of the universe, who chose to make us your temple, your place of living and your place of dwelling so that the world could know you. And I pray for anyone here who does not know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, who does not know Jesus as the one who they've given their lives to. I pray that God, you thank you that you're drawing them into your heart and how much you love them. I thank you, God, for people who are realizing, man, there's more, God, to show them how great you are and how you're inside of them and how much you just wanna give them more. More reality of, them, of you inside of them. And I thank you, God, for the people who just feel like they're, they're just having to work. I pray, God, that you give them freedom when they realize that you're within them. And I can ask you to continue to give us strength and courage and, and power and authority as we walk through our days so that we can be a light to the world, so that we can change the world around us, so we can be an influence at our works, at our colleges, at our homes. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this series. For more information, call 616-534-4923 or visit us at reslife.org.